This uh, past uh, spring break, uh, Nancy and I took our three kids to Washington, D.C. For, for spring break. And it's one of those kind of family trips that a lot of families will have. You kind of save up the, the air miles and the funds and take one or two special trips when your kids are still at home. We figured uh, our daughter will be graduating in a year and our youngest is old enough now to appreciate and understand the significance of D.C. and the things that we see in, in here. And so we, we, we made the trip this, this year. Now, while we were out there, in the first couple of days, we, we had an itinerary set out. And, and one of the first days, we decided to make a tour of all the monuments. Uh, if, you've, if you've done it, it's pretty cool, pretty inspiring. And we, the cherry blossoms were out. We went around the tidal basin, saw all the monuments. And uh, early afternoon, we were pretty tired. We sat down on a bench and, and ate our, our sack lunch. Well, not too far from us, real close to us, there was something interesting that kind of drew our attention, caught our attention. There were a couple college-age guys, and they had this rope. And it was tied between two trees. Uh, pretty tight, uh, maybe about this high off the ground. And what they were doing, they had their shoes off, and they were practicing walking on, on, on a, kind of a high wire, but it was a low wire, actually. But they were kind of practicing on this, try, practicing and trying their balance. They had a big pole, and they would try to walk across it and keep their balance. Well, it was kind of fun to watch, and after a while, they noticed us watching, and they asked our youngest, Reed, if he wanted to try it. He's nine. He thought, well, that looks easy. He jumped on, pretty quickly discovered it wasn't so easy. And the, and the guys uh, told us that it takes a lot of practice, a lot of work, and, and a lot of balance, and you've got to focus straight ahead. You can't look at certain places, and it takes a lot of balance to kind of make your way across that course to get to the end, to get to the finish line, and to do it well. Well, as I, I, my mind went back to that, 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 uh, that episode in D.C. when I was looking at this passage this week for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it seems very appropriate when we talk about trying to run the race of faith. Uh, there's a lot of things in our lives that we kind of keep balanced. And, and it's easy to take our eyes off the right thing and, and begin to sway and, and, and lose our balance and maybe fall off or, or get hurt. Um, the other reason I was thinking about it is, is because um, in this passage, we were, we, it talks about God as our father and us as his children and began to think about parenting. And parenting is, is uh, one of the hardest things you'll do in your life. It's been said many times. It's kind of a cliche, but it's true. Because there's so many things that you've got to keep in balance uh, to stay on course. You have to balance uh, structure with freedom. You have to balance love with discipline. You have to balance helping them out when they're hurt with sometimes allowing them to face the consequences and the pain of their mistakes. It's a tough thing being a parent. In this passage, we talk about God being our, our parents, our, our Heavenly Father. And the good thing that we know is even though we as parents make mistakes and, and sometimes cause harm in our children's lives, our Heavenly Father never makes mistakes with us as His children. In fact, the Scripture tells us that God is holy and perfect and His ways are just and true and that we can trust Him. And so as we come to this topic today of, of, of God's discipline, Let's keep in mind the fact that God is our perfect Father and we can trust Him when He does bring discipline into our lives. Now, it's at times like this when I want, I want to talk about a little bit now about the word discipline. It's no question this passage is about discipline. In fact, the word discipline is used seven times. And, and the Greek word for discipline here is very specific. It's talking about the kind of discipline of, of rearing or raising a child. And, and, and the word is the idea of guiding or correcting a child to mold their behavior and to turn them away from disaster. Biblically speaking, discipline is, is seldom fun, 
but it's always positive. It's always a good thing when God, our perfect Father, is, is administering it. So, let's start with a definition of, of discipline, of God's discipline. The discipline of God is when, as a result of sinful actions or attitudes, a painful circumstance is allowed into our lives with the purpose of changing our life and transforming our hearts. Let me, let me repeat that. The discipline of God is, as a resu- is when, a resu- as a result of a sinful attitude or action, a painful circumstance is allowed into our lives by God with the purpose of changing our conduct and transforming our hearts. Now, a couple things to clarify here as we, as we look at discipline and the definition of discipline. First of all, we need to draw a distinction between trials and God's discipline. Trials are things that come into our life not of our own doing or making. It's just the result of living in a fallen world. And those things that God allows in our lives, but he uses them to strengthen us in character and purpose. God's discipline is the result of things that we have, have done. And God then allows the consequences of those sins. And he uses that in our lives as well to discipline us and help us to grow and be shaped and changed into a person that he's created us to be. Another distinction to make is that when God does discipline us as a Heavenly Father, that He does not do it out of anger. You recall last, um, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Hebrews 10. And in that passage, we saw the topic of God as a perfect sacrifice, as Jesus Christ as sufficient to cover all our sins. And so what that means is that His sacrifice covers our past, our present, and our future sins. And we also see in Scripture that when Christ died on the cross for our sins, he completely absorbed and took on God's wrath for our sin. And so after we put our trust in Christ, we now relate to God through Christ in a relationship that is marked by love, not by wrath. So when when our life falls apart after we sin, it's God's fatherly discipline that is intended to turn us away from further sin, not his punishment and payback for our previous sin, because Christ has paid the price for all our sin. There's a big difference. We need to make sure we distinguish that, make a distinction there, so that we don't have a wrong perception of God and his love for us. Secondly, we need to know what God is after when he does discipline us. He's after about making a change in our hearts. He wants to see our behavior change, not just for external reasons, but from internal motivation. For instance, um, if, if you're in school and somebody goes through your locker and steals something and they get caught and they get, they get disciplined, uh, often the focus of discipline is primarily upon changing the behavior. But God's aim is, is much, much deeper. He, deeper. He doesn't want you just to have good lives on the outside. He wants you to have good hearts and good lives motivated by good hearts and a life of love and devotion and submission to God. So when we talk about God's discipline, we have to remember he's not just about changing our behavior. He's about changing our hearts. Another thing to think about that we see from the scripture is that in verse 5, we see that when we are disciplined, we should see it and receive it as a sign that we are God's children. Where it says, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. 
In Revelation 3.19, Jesus said this, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Now, if as parents we do not discipline our children, we'd be terrible parents, wouldn't we? Our children would grow up never understanding that their actions have consequences. They would grow up never seeing that the world does not revolve around them. And they would be totally unprepared for relationships in life in the real world. And it'd be our fault as parents. But if we love them as parents, then we do allow them to face the consequences of their mistakes. And if we love them, we do use tough situations in life to help shape them and to grow their character and their ability to be, responsibility, to be responsible people who have healthy, God-honoring relationships and lives. But from the perspective of kids, it's not always that easy for them to see. They can experience pain and they look for somebody to blame, and often it's the parents. Or when things get tough or rough, they want us to step in and to fight their battles instead of letting them fight through it and and grow stronger in character. A loving parent will love them enough to allow discipline to do its work and to shape them into fully grown, mature adults. And God does the same thing with each one of us. Let me let you in on a little secret. As Christians, when we are pursuing Christ wholeheartedly, our lives tend to get harder. They tend to get harder for a lot of reasons. Sometimes um, trials are brought into our lives to strengthen us. Sometimes it gets hard because we're going against the crowd and we get blowback. And, And sometimes God steps in and disciplines us when we make a mistake or sin. Proverbs 3 is a passage that is quoted here by the author of Hebrews. And it's the most commonly quoted passage, Old Testament passage, in the New Testament. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Now, regard lightly means to to think of something as having little value. And our tendency can sometimes be when God brings discipline into our lives. Okay, I got it now, God. I I got it now. Let's, Let's move past this. Can he alleviate the consequences, remove them from my life? But we're encouraged to have the attitude of, of taking God's discipline in and staying under it and allowing his discipline to bring us to a greater level of holiness and discipline and joy in him. But sometimes we have to learn our lessons. Michelle Akers is, um, was one of the world's best soccer players in the 1980s in the 1990s. And in 1991, when the U.S. women won, the, won the, their first World Cup, she scored 10 goals in five games, including the, the championship winner. She signed an endorsement de- deal and became the first woman soccer player to have a paid sponsor. She played professionally in Sweden. She had drive and tenacity, and she even tried out to be the place kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. She didn't make the cut, but she did kick a field goal to 52 yards. But just as her professional life was rising, her health was beginning to decline. By 1993, the woman who used grit and determination to make life happen found her life unmanageable. She writes, Each day I felt like I had flown to Europe with no food or sleep, then flown right back and trained for hours. Doctors discovered that she had chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome. She said, When, I, when it was really bad, I couldn't sit up in a chair. The racking migraine stranded me at home, unable even to get up to brush my teeth or to eat. For the first time, she could no longer count on her old friends, hard work, 
grit and determination. She had to find a new way to cope. I couldn't bear not to be the best in the world, not to be the one who could bounce back from any injury. It was the only me I knew. When her marriage of four years broke up, she had reached the end of herself. I was so sick I couldn't take a five-minute walk without needing two days on the couch to recover. I was forced to spend a lot of time thinking about who I was. I didn't like what I saw. You see, she had put her trust in Christ as a high school student, but ignored God in college and after graduation. And now sick and alone, she reluctantly finally accepted an invitation from her strength and conditioning coach to go to church with him in Florida. Looking back, she says, I think God was gently, patiently tapping me on the shoulder and calling my name for years. But I continuously brushed him off saying, Hey, I know what I'm doing. I can make these decisions. Leave me alone. Then I think God finally said, Okay, crossed his arms and looked at me sadly because he knew I was going to make a lot of mistakes by ignoring him. He knew I would be hurting in the future. She concludes, It took total devastation before I would submit and surrender and say, Okay, God, you can have my life. Please help me. I accept your discipline. God's motive, whenever discipline comes into our lives, is always, always love. But don't be surprised if we ignore him that you'll have to use a bigger and bigger metaphorical stick to get our attention. He is the perfect parent with the perfect intentions and will for us, all with the purpose of shaping us, helping us, and growing us into the person that he's created us to be. Billy Graham once wrote how when a ship's carpenter needed timber to make a a mast for a sailing ship, that they would not cut down a tree in the valley, but they would go onto the side of the mountains where the trees had been buffeted by strong winds. These trees, the carpenter would know, would be the strongest of all because the hardship of the winds and the storms had made them strong to the core and tougher their fiber. God will allow certain things to come into our lives. Sometimes they're of our own doing. Sometimes they're not. But in all things, God works to use those things to strengthen us in character and and to change and transform our hearts for his glory. Verse 11 concludes, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you that you love us as we are, but you also love us too much to leave us as we are. Thank you, God, that you allow trials to come into our lives to help us grow, mature, and become strong. Thank you that you love us enough as our Heavenly Father to allow us to undergo discipline, to grow and mature, to let go of wrong attitudes or actions or priorities, and to hold on to your truth. And we know, Lord, the result, if we do so, will be joy and peace and righteousness, strong character, and a pure and transformed heart. God, I pray for each graduate and each confirmand here today 
that as they go through this life, for how many ever years you give them, that they would be focused on you, their eyes fixed on Jesus, that they would be teachable, learn quickly from their mistakes, and pursue you, Lord, with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. We give them to you, and we ask that you bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.